0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of How with Halter. I'm very excited about this podcast today. It's the National Panhellenic Council, right? We have members of Alpha Phi Alpha and Kappa Alpha Psi. We are here to really just give a lot of information to, you know, those individuals within uh, the Greek organizations on how you can be with Halter and how you can do things within the real estate uh, and tax sectors. On this panel, on this illustrious panel, I have uh, one of my fraternity brothers, Daryl who was made at Alpha Delta Chapter, University of Southern California. I'll let Daryl chime in to who he is, when he crossed and all that kind of jazz later. (laughs) We have brother Damon Hawkins, also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, made at Fresno State. To my left is my partner, Marceed Hatcher, member of Kappa Alpha Psi from UNLV. And then also we have Jamel Nelson, Alpha Phi Alpha Alpha Delta Chapter Alpha Delta
1: AD two one
0: now Dees. Let's start yeah. with you, my brother. All right, introduce yourself.
1: Uh, my name is Darrell Deese. I went to the University of Southern California. Met Dennis Earls there. Crossed the burning sands, May tenth, six fifteen and thirty four seconds a.m. nineteen eighty, and so uh, been around for a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. you are a commercial loan broker. Right. So our firm is uh, we're a capital advisory firm. We In the institutional and middle market markets for debt and equity, we help clients source the debt and equity for their projects. We also help them underwrite their deals, tell them how to look at and structure the deal so that it passes the snuff test for banks and help them secure the capital for it. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Brother Hawkins, welcome to the mic.
2: One, two, one, two. Glad to be here. Mic check, one, two, one, two. (laughs) (laughs) Introduce yourself, my brother. So my name is Damon Hawkins. I uh, was initiated into Alpha Alpha Attorney Incorporated by way of Epsilon Beta Chapter at Fresno State, but I'm currently at Iota Zeta Lambda Chapter, which is seated in Compton, California, where I See? serve as the chapter president. I'm also the fundraising chair for the Alpha Caring and Empowerment Corporation, which is our nonprofit. So I have that, that talent, hidden talent for raising funds.
0: Raising capital, which is what you do. That's correct, right? So you have a very unique perspective with being a fundraiser and also a member of Alpha Phi Alpha, amongst other organizations. Correct. What is your primary role right now within the Halter Group and uh, Alpha Phi Alpha?
2: So for the Halter Group, I represent the affiliate group, which is the fundraising arm that supports Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, Incorporated. So we are purpose to empower all the members of Alpha Phi Alpha to, um, you know. Focus on financial empowerment, raising money, making good investments so that they could obviously make a bigger impact on the community for themselves and their families. Awesome. To my left
0: is my partner within Halter Group, Marcid Hatcher. Marcid Hatcher is an influential uh, member within HG, driving force for HAL. He created the, the branding HAL uh, Helping Others Win. And I'll let Marcid introduce himself.
3: Yep, Marcid Hatcher, uh, one of the managing partners uh, at the Halter Group. Background is in construction management, civil engineering. Been in the business close to 20 years now, about 20 billion of construction activity across the globe. So... Happy to be in a conversation with you brothers. As Dennis mentioned, I am a member of Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity, so I'm a little bit outnumbered up here, but <laughs> as a noob, I can hold my own. So, um, no, but looking forward to this very engaging conversation, guys. No, and Damon, I love what you're doing within Alpha Phi Alpha and the Halter group and looking for uh, the brothers of Kappa Alpha Psi to do the same.
0: And then last to the mic is brother Jamel Nelson, my brother, welcome.
4: Absolutely, thanks for having me and happy to be here and My name is Jamel Nelson, and I am the managing director of Nelson & Associates, and I am a CPA um, with specialty in real estate. And with my firm, what we do is we actually work with individuals ranging from first-time home buyers to um, institutional investors, all the way up to your larger uh, commercial development type of company. And with those organizations, we provide three types of opportunities or services to them. And that's going to be your typical accounting. Mm -hmm. We can do as basic as your regular bookkeeping all the way up to your more advanced CFO level type services. And then we also have the second piece that we focus on, which is real big right now, tax season. Mm -hmm. So we work with those individuals on their personal business taxation. And then the most important piece, in my opinion, is the advisory side, where we actually work with the individual to really identify their portfolios, their profiles, mm-hmm. and try to work with them to maximize the best efficient way possible to save the most on taxes, right. keep more money in their pocket, and do more with that money. Well, let's let's
0: roll into this in terms of how, yeah. right? <clears throat> We're trying to teach people how to do certain things within real estate. Yeah. And with today's panel with taxation, real estate, and loans, that's two very yeah. important pieces to the puzzle for individuals to really break into real estate right yeah. so from a taxation standpoint what should one do right? so when someone comes to you and say hey jamel i have x dollars and i want to get into real estate you know how's the taxation work you know what's my taxes due is it a k-1 is it not a k-1 should i, should I be an entity or a corporation yeah. you know can I be an individual you know how would you advise them
4: Absolutely. So, that's a great question. It's a mouthful. We can certainly go a lot of directions, but the first We have time, brother. First thing that I would <laughs> ask is, okay, what are your your goals? Mm-hmm. First, got to figure out what the goals are. For some clients, it may be a matter of, "Hey, I pay too much tax. I'm a W2 high income earner and I'm looking for opportunities to reduce that." Okay. So, obviously, you have real estate as an option there. Mm-hmm. Or you may have the other individual that say, "Hey, I actually have a portfolio of um properties and doors that is really active, but I don't have an opportunity to really kind of have oversight to manage that. But at the end of the day, I also want to be able to maximize my tax savings. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on where the individual is, but at the end of the day, obviously being in a situation where you are, in the real estate space, you have an opportunity to really maximize your opportunity to, to play the tax game and okay. to play the IRS uh, tax game. Okay. And when it comes to business owners, investors, real estate investors, those are the individuals that obviously have the more opportunity to maximize what the IRS have set in law for us to abide by. So mm-hmm. once I figure out what the goals are for the individual, if it's a matter of, hey, I need to reduce my high income mm-hmm. or hey, I'm, I need to better maximize what I currently have right here, mm-hmm. then it's a matter of, okay, what type of entity structure are you? Do you have partners? Are you an individual? You guys have an established LLC. Is it a S corp? Is it a C corp? And now once I understand that, Now we understand, okay, this is how the tax is going to affect you because it may not affect the other type of entity or individual the same Mm -hmm. as if it is going to affect you. And then after that, then we ultimately will kind of get into the the details. Mm -hmm. And the details is where a lot of people miss it or they may not be as prepared. And the details are, okay, now that we have all of this information how are your books? How are your financials? Uh, do you actually have have that to prepare or, or to provide? Mm-hmm. And this is where uh, a lot of challenges come up, um, especially amongst the people in our community, okay. unfortunately, because mm-hmm. they may not have the, the real solid background and the right, guidance right. to say, hey, this is the base and this mm-hmm. is the foundation before we really get going and get started. Mm-hmm. And most of our people are really excited when they get going because they have an opportunity to get involved with the, right. a, a real estate deal or to participate with someone else, but they really don't understand, okay, before we really get going, let's make sure we have our ducks in order. All I we- <laughs> <teased cross. laughs> exactly, right, without a tease cross. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Dease, let's talk yeah. about LTV, right? Yeah. Loan to
0: value. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So those who are right now on this podcast with us, LTV is loan to value. It's a, it's a term that... Uh, is used within residential and also in commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also underwriting, which is a very big one because the lenders, banks, are, are, are looking at you know your taxes, you know your last two years' taxes, some three years' taxes. They're looking at how the property performs with its books and records, its due diligence, its utility bills, its laundry bills, its gardening bills, etc. So speak to us in terms of. From a commercial lending side, yeah. the underwriting and loan-to-value practices.
1: So, it, as you're underwriting, and we've we've had this discussion before about you know where the market currently is with interest rates. If you look back to March 2022, uh, indexes that were used to to basically price your loans, so at that point was LIBOR. So uh, LIBOR is no longer around. The ten-year treasury, the What's five-year LIBOR? treasury. LIBOR, London Interbank, I forget the last two, okay. but it's no longer in existence. So okay. SOFR has kind of taken its place mm-hmm. as, a, as a method for pricing debt mm-hmm. obligations. Mm-hmm. So SOFR, the 10-year treasury, the five-year treasury, the seven-year treasury, these are all indexes that banks use to price. Well, from March 2022 to today, take SOFR for example. SOFR was half a percent right, in March 2022. And as the feds began to, to increase interest rates to get a handle on inflation, SOFR is now 3 point, as last check, 3.79, wow. right? Mm. Huge. Mm-hmm. So when you were buying property back then before the rates started to come up, a bank would look at loan pricing based off of SOFR and even the 10-year and 5-year and 7-year treasury indexes were low back then too. Mm-hmm. So they take a in round numbers, 200 basis points spread. So they would add 200 basis points or 2% over what that index was and come up with a loan-to-value. Now, that loan-to-value is going to be predicated upon what your debt-to-income coverage or your debt ratio is, right? So when banks are pricing, particularly for multifamily, which is what most people get into, Mm -hmm. they're looking at, on a minimum, one, unless you're in Los Angeles on the west side, right? On the west side, they'll look at a 1.15 debt service coverage Outside of that, you know they'll go up to as high as 1.35 if you're buying in Louisiana. So what that means is your income for the property has got to cover the debt service by 1.2 times, right mm-hmm. So with the rise in interest rates, that impact on loan to values makes it hard makes it much harder to hit <laughs> that coverage ratio right? right So you were coming in in March with a one two, debt service coverage, loan-to-value, 70 75%. Well, now, since rates have gone up, and even 80% in some cases, mm-hmm. and if you're on the West side, 90% mm-hmm. loan-to-value, right? Now, you're looking at the max 65% loan-to-value, wow. So, which means that you've got to come in 35%, 35% of the equity, right? Mm-hmm. And so how do you structure that equity to your investors where they'll hit the return that they want to make? And that's the challenge. And mm-hmm. so how you get to where you need to get to is really smart underwriting. You can't go into a deal anymore thinking that we're gonna raise rents in perpetuity for 3% every year. Right, mm-hmm. Not gonna happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking, if you have any rehab work, what's your cost of lumber now? Mm-hmm. So all of those costs pl- come into effect of how your loan's gonna be structured, what your ultimate loan-to-value is going to be, what your debt service coverage, it's going to hit all those points.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, we're very big on education here. And I know Daryl has mentioned a lot of terms and words that yes, you know, the audience that. may or may not understand. But let me bring it to you know home to you from this perspective. The big difference and one of the largest reasons as to why black investors do not invest in commercial real estate is because of the 35% down the 65% loan to value in which a lender might require. So if you're looking at a commercial asset that's $1 million for simple mathematics, that investor is now required to bring to the table for escrow $350,000. Whereas that same investor that might want to buy a single family home is now maybe putting 3% down, FHA 3.5% down, or one of the other designer loans of 5%, whatever it may be. So the barrier of entrance is a lot easier for buyers Mm -hmm. in the residential world. It's a lot harder for buyers in the commercial world. And that's one of the biggest reasons as to why, from an ethnicity point of view, Mm -hmm. less blacks are investing in commercial real estate and more Blacks are investing in residential real estate and why we as the Holter Group, in addition to Nelson & Associates and Taro Capital, are bringing you this information yeah. to educate you to break
1: into the game of commercial real estate. It, can it, let me piggyback on something you said. I think one of the other reasons why you don't see a lot of people of color investing in, Black particularly, investing in commercial real estate is lack of understanding, which breeds fear, mm-hmm. right? We as a people have historically been risk averse. Yes. Well, and you'll have other cultures come in and pool capital. Take a look at, at uh, folks from India mm-hmm. and look at what they've done with the hotel markets. Now, my numbers might be off a bit, but what many of the groups have done is pooled money. Mm-hmm. Pooled money to buy a single asset, work that asset, either sell that asset or refinance that asset to buy another asset. Mm-hmm. We typically have not done that. All right? And so what you're doing at Halter, I think, is phenomenal, which is one of the reasons why I got in this business, because as black folk, we typically don't have access to capital from a couple of reasons. One, there's still issues embedded in the system yes. for providing capital to black folk. Mm-hmm. It's, if you say it's not, you're lying. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. it, I've had conversations with lenders where they won't say certain things. Yeah. Or certain words. Or certain yeah. words. <laughs> but you'll know where they're talking about. And mm-hmm. so understanding access to capital and fear, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you structure what you guys are doing at Halter, I think is, is phenomenal. You, you got your general partners and you got your LPs who have to come in with less cash, mm-hmm. but the benefit to them is that they get into the single most important asset to creating wealth, and that is real estate in this country. Mm-hmm. And you allow them to do that by, by decreasing Uh, And I hope I'm not jumping around here, but decreasing their initial investment so it's Mm -hmm. not so scary anymore. Correct. And then you've got somebody else who knows what they're doing, Mm -hmm. who knows how to manage an asset, who knows how to buy an asset, who knows how to underwrite an asset, and is going to give me 15% return on my money. Where are you going to get 15% return on your money? Right. Right? Right other than through real estate, unless you're playing the stock market and you're good at it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right?
0: Or you're a street vendor. Or your street, yeah, yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> so, I jumped all over the board here. I'm trying to- I mean, Some are. <laughs> I'm not knocking if I, if, I if I could just chime in on yeah. that. I
2: think you you made some good points about fear being mm-hmm. a reason why we don't invest in the black community, but I also would say that it's fear of collaboration. Yeah. We have not, yeah. uh, we've been very risk averse from working together. We don't want to put our money together because they're like, okay, what's my exit strategy? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the term they use, mm-hmm. but that's what they're thinking. What's my exit strategy? How do I put this money in here? I'm gonna make my money. Okay, what happens when we refinance? What happens when we sell? So I think it's important that you know there are, these clients are being educated on what the Hawter Group is doing yep. to structure. We're creating an organized path for someone to invest. A little bit amount of money, into an asset that they probably wouldn't otherwise be able to purchase on their own. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that, in my opinion, is the game changer. And that's why we're able to tell such a great story out there in the community. Yeah.
0: Marcy, Daryl spoke about lumber and the cost of lumber going mm-hmm. up and down. Mm-hmm. From your construction expertise and experience, what are you seeing in the market right now?
3: I mean, I would say Daryl's 100% right in that it's probably tenfold that, right? It's yeah. just in regards to just materials in general. Everything is going up. You know, and inflation has definitely uh, stopped a lot of activity that was actually planned, Mm -hmm. you know, some years ago, Mm -hmm. right? I'm seeing projects that are deferring, you know, completion. I'm seeing projects that are totally just stopping. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing projects that are totally being replanned as a result of the escalation in the cost of materials that's out there in the in the industry right now. So it's definitely something that everyone should be thinking about, that everybody should be, you know, have as a line item as they they forecast their, their plans, rehabs, and renovations, and obviously full-scale development. This is a, a huge, yeah. you know, piece of the pie that everyone should be thinking about. So Daryl's 100% right.
0: Daryl, is there a difference in the underwriting between multifamily, office, yeah. hotel, yeah. shopping center, Mom and pop strip mall. Is there a difference in the running?
1: Yeah, uh, your multifamily assets and your industrial assets today are looked at the least risky assets. Everybody needs a place to live. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs a place to store, mm-hmm. you know, things in warehouses. Mm-hmm. When you get to retail, uh, you got Amazon that completely shook up that whole industry. Mm-hmm. There were years ago people were talking about well, there'll be no more brick and mortar, no more brick and mortar stores. Right. And so, from a lending perspective. You know, depending upon the asset, lenders will look at it a little more risky. So they're going to underwrite it a little tougher. So let's go back to the debt service coverage. Using round numbers, for an apartment complex, you'll look at a debt service coverage of 1.2 times, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're looking at retail, and let's, office is even worse, mm-hmm. 1.35 times. So you've got to be making on that asset 1.35 times on your NOI to cover the debt service. Mm-hmm. If you look at office right now, 1. 1.4, 1. 1.5, hotels, the same, 1. and COVID knocked the hotel market off its axis for a minute, it's back now. Mm-hmm. But they're underwritten a little more, from a risk profile, a little, a little tougher. Okay. So higher debt service coverages, right. typically lower loan-to-values, yep. Jamel,
0: are you advising your clients to do 1031 tax deferring changes?
4: Yes, if it makes sense okay if it makes sense expand on that and just to explain 1031 exchange Mm -hmm. you take your existing property that you're looking to sell Mm -hmm. and you're going to exchange it with another property Mm -hmm. that you're looking to rent out Mm -hmm. for investment purposes so the reason this is an attractive option for some real estate investors Mm -hmm. is the fact that when that sale occurs they can defer capital gains Mm -hmm. and chances are if you're selling a house especially if you're here in the California, LA market, mm-hmm. you're likely going to have a type of capital gain because the appreciation of that home is a lot different and higher now than it was when you first purchased it. Correct. So when you make the sale, if you close out the deal, you're now on the hook for whatever you sold the house for versus what you actually bought the house. And that's your capital gain okay. kind of starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, to avoid getting taxed on that, which could be very, very healthy. For most people, Mm -hmm. they say, let's look at a 1031 exchange where we now transition the sale of this house and we'll work out the paperwork and we'll identify another property that we're actually going to transition the value, the book value Mm -hmm. that we maintained on this initial property onto this newer property. Mm -hmm. And in order to really take advantage of that, you are not going to be in a situation where you can be the primary resident, on this property, and then 1031 to be a primary. So you're actually looking to be an investor, Mm -hmm. um, rent it out. So um, that's the situation that works for some, and for some of my clients that say, hey, I'm actually looking to buy a completely separate house, Mm -hmm. but I also wanna buy a third house, Mm -hmm. move from my primary house, Mm -hmm. do a 1031 exchange with the second house that I'm gonna purchase, and then the third house will be my other residence that makes sense how much time how much
2: time do you have to identify another property if you're doing a 1031
4: yeah exchange? so if you're doing 1031 exchange so it's a pretty quick process you pretty much have to be in a situation where you identify and i don't get me wrong with my numbers it, it has to be at least 60 days or so where that transaction occurs so you're not in a situation where you say i want to do a 1031 exchange let me put my house on the market sell it and now go find another no you're already actively identifying another buyer that's going to sell to you and then after you identify that potential opportunity now you kind of line your ducks up all in a row and when you're doing a 1031 exchange you're going to make sure you have some key people on your team you, you need to make sure that you have an intermediary um this is an individual or a company that actually has to facilitate that process yeah. you probably shouldn't or it's not advised to do that on your own right but in addition to that you also want to be talking to a tax specialist tax expert cpa just to understand, hey, what are the implications if I were to actually pull the trigger and make the sale? This is what my home value valuation is now. This is what I bought it for initially. This is my basis. What, what is it gonna look like if I transfer my, my capital gain over to this new property? And the benefit of a 1031 exchange is that you're not avoiding taxes, them. the IRS doesn't let you just get away without not paying taxes. They're going to allow you to defer. Got but right. the cool thing about it is you can defer continuously until the day you die. And if you die, then your beneficiaries, kids, family, they are off the hook from any of the taxes. So that's the benefit of a 1031 exchange.
0: So you have 180 days, the 1031 exchange process is a total of 180 days. Within the 180 days, the first 45 days is your identification period. So you have to identify three like-kind properties in which you plan to close escrow on within the totality of the 180 days. Okay? Okay. So when you close escrow on your down leg, the property in which you are selling, the funds, the net proceeds go from your escrow account or your escrow company into the accommodator. The accommodator is essentially a third party who sits on the money during the exchange window. Okay. Okay. And then when you open escrow on your up leg, the property in which you're looking to purchase, the accommodator will then release the funds to the new escrow company. And as long as you place all of the money from your down leg into your up leg within the 180 days, you have successfully satisfied your 1031 exchange. Now, if any of the dollars in your accommodator you do not place into your up leg, then it's called a boot. Yeah. You, pay the, you pay the tax. Yeah, on that. I'm so let's say down. round numbers. Let's say it's a $1 million equity standpoint that you've pulled out from your down leg mm-hmm. that's gone to your accommodator. And let's say $750,000 of the million will go to your up leg. Well, that's $250,000 that's still sitting in your accommodator that you can touch. And pull out, but now you're going to have right, the taxable. taxation mm-hmm. on the $250,000. Got it. So in the commercial world and in the residential world, more specifically to Halter, how we plan to roll our properties and assets is once we acquire the real estate, we want to do a tax 1031 tax deferred exchange to roll all of the equity that we've earned into a larger asset. So maybe an 80-unit building becomes a 160-unit building, right? Right. Now, if any of our individual investors want to pull out of the property, well, now that would be a taxation that that individual investor will have. So that's the 1031 exchange. And it's curious to know how you answered that question from a tax standpoint.
4: It's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What are you seeing in terms of clients doing 1031s? Are they 1031 from multifamily into more riskier commercial assets? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, we are. I don't see a lot of it. I've not had any 1031 exchange clients. Mine have all been investors, repeat investors or developers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're and a lot of guys in our firm are seeing a lot of 1031 exchange. And now with the way the market has shifted and the sellers are having these this come to Jesus moment where they're not gonna get the 3% cap rate on their apartment building. So they're beginning to, to shift their pricing and so now He's for the 3% cap rate, right? Yeah. And we're exactly. showing people how yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, when the market is tight, 1031 exchange is, is a little bit tougher. As markets begin to soften a bit, mm-hmm. you know, the, we're finding that clients are finding their, their up legs, you know, a little more frequently than they were before. Because mm-hmm. there's always this panic line, right? You mm-hmm. sell your property and you've got that timeline and that clock moves fast. It's quick. Yeah. That clock moves very fast. So if there's anything that's going to screw up your closing of that asset, you get a little nervous about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So besides lowering the price of the uh, property, what else are sellers doing?
1: We're hearing and seeing more seller carry back because they know that one, going back well, to the loan to value. What is a seller carry back? Oh, I'm sorry. So, so a seller carry back is, is when you identify a property And you're trying to get the financing done and you can't quite hit that market. Well, the seller will come to you and say, oh, well, look, I'll carry back, round numbers, a million dollars, and then I'll hold that carry back for three years at X percent interest rate. So in in essence, is a second loan on the property, or depending upon how it's structured equity, but it always takes a subordinate role to the first loan on the property. So it's a seller carry back. Mm -hmm. Awesome.
0: We're seeing a lot of seller carries now. Yeah. One of the properties in which Halter is looking at currently is an asset where the seller is willing to do a carryback. So we essentially can put in $2 million to purchase his entity, his LLC, which owns the real estate. Seller will carry for two years. At the end of the two years, we can do a refinance mm-hmm. to take out the, the, the debt. And, and, now, back, and now back. we become the guarantors on that loan, and then the seller is removed from any responsibilities for the real estate. So. Now, there are some legalities in there, which I'm dancing over right now. Okay. We, we can dive into that later, All right? A right. uh, different episode of Hal coming. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but because rates are now 6%, 5%, 6%, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. right? Yeah. There are a lot of sellers right now who have loans at... Four percent, yeah, four and a quarter percent. Okay. Well, that's extremely advantageous to an entity like the halter Group mm-hmm. because we would almost rather do a creative loan or a creative transaction right. with that seller who has a four and a quarter percent rate, mm-hmm. than going to the open market now and paying six percent, six and a half percent, seven percent. Right now we can get that asset at four and a quarter. The cash flow is superior mm-hmm. than a new loan on it. And we can just operate the asset. So a lot of create creative loans are being done or creative transactions are being done on the marketplace, which is, if done correctly, is advantageous.
1: Yeah. In in the absence of that, on the creative financing piece, you know, what we're telling clients is, all right, look, let's look at this from a a three year standpoint as opposed to a five, seven, or ten, so that you're not locked in to your prepayment penalty. Mm-hmm. right and so we'll tell a client all right so let's lock in this three-year fixed rate loan right and then we anticipate that rates will be lowered in four years from now or three years from now when they have to refinance that's the anticipation mm-hmm. uh, so you know if you don't have to sit in a six and a half a seven percent loan why do so mm-hmm. so there's that other angle mm-hmm. you know from if you can't find a seller carry mm-hmm. and you're in the market they don't lock yourself into a seven or 10 year fixed rate loan right now. Mm-hmm. That, that, has, make, a that exactly. has a prepayment penalty. That has a prepayment penalty. Doesn't make any sense. Right, Yeah, yep. none. Damon,
0: talk to me about, or talk to us rather, the audience about your initiative within Alpha.
2: So my initiative within Alpha is to basically create financial empowerment for the community. And, and basically that financial empowerment comes from education. I think a lot of people fear what they don't understand. I think yeah. you, you mentioned yeah. that earlier. And our goal is to help people understand so that they can make more um, empowered decisions around their finances. Everybody wants to be in real estate that I know. I mean, they just don't know exactly how. Mm -hmm. And I believe the Halter Group, what we've done is we've created a very clear, short, to the point pathway to to remove the fear. You know, even for a first-time homebuyer, like you said, a 3.5% down on a a million-dollar home, you know, what's that what the 35 grand yes yeah, it's, it's 35 grand right well i mean with the halter group you can actually buy a commercial asset you can buy one share into a commercial asset through the halter group for ten grand, mm-hmm. right kind of no-brainer right and so i mean that's just a starter yeah. type don't. of investment we have others that are buying 10 and 15 shares mm-hmm. but and also what the halter group does is they make it very clear that there's no management connected the, the general partners are Managing the property so they can continue to do what they are passionate about which might be writing or acting or whatever that is teaching Yeah Uh, And then they can use their put their money on overdrive and let Mm -hmm. uh, the halter group be the experts I know you speak a
0: lot to you just came back from the uh, Regional convention in Denver, Colorado I had the pleasure of going with you and presenting to a number of Alphas in the room End of last year, we were at the Leadership Conference. So you're navigating your your pathway within the upper leadership of, of the organization. What's been your conversations with them? What's been their feedback to you? Where do you see this Alpha Initiative
2: going? So we spoke at the Western Region Convention in Denver, and our room, we had a breakout room that was uh, specifically designed for the halter Group and the responses were overwhelming. We, there were three workshops that everyone was speaking of and one of them was ours. And so now we are on a pathway to take this from a regional convention to a national convention where we can touch all the members of Alpha across the globe. Um, we are an international organization. And so our goal is to get the word out to, you know, hopefully to divine nine at some point, yeah. but we're starting with Alpha.
0: Well, you kind of lit a fire within myself. Thank you. Okay. And you've taken the ball within Alpha, which benefits all of us. Yeah, Thank you so much to where we now are speaking to members of Kappa Alpha Psi and running a parallel venture to where your organization mm-hmm. and members within your organization mm-hmm. will essentially be doing the same thing in which you're doing for Alpha. Okay. So we really want to try to create this pathway for the divine nine to all have an opportunity within the Halter group to know that they can successfully place their dollars and know that gentlemen who look like them who are smart and educated within their field are placing their dollars successfully so kudos to you thank you and speaking of that mercy how do you see that going with with kappa
3: yeah i mean so so far so good i mean we're already having conversations with you know multiple members of the organization uh one of our managing partners with the how tear group ennis williams he's been invited to speak uh, at one of our conventions already so again we're utilizing the same script as far as getting our foot in the door to be able to offer these same types of uh you know programs and and, and obviously the experience right to 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 invest with the care Group um, at the same type of level. But it's not stopping there, right? I mean, we're also having conversations with organizations. That, I won't name the organizations, but multiple professional organizations where we're doing the exact same thing, right? Mm-hmm. We're getting a hold of the the, the leadership, mm-hmm. right? We're having a conversation. We're telling them who we are, what we do, and how it can benefit them and their, their membership, their broader membership, and they're highly intrigued. Because as you mentioned, everybody wants to get into to real estate, they just don't know necessarily how, exactly. right? And at this level, the conversations are, are really just like, people aren't even, they see it, but they don't know how to touch it, they don't necessarily know somebody who's involved with it, right? So if we go to them and we offer this uh, this opportunity, so far it's been 100% success rate with people wanting to, to learn more, and so, as Dennis mentioned, kudos to you. We've been taking a back seat, just watching it all happen. But I think at the end of the day, we're all going to be, you know, uh, celebrating this down the line. So yeah, awesome, good job, my man. Yeah, Thank for sure, you. absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I don't, I, mean, I think that's huge what you guys are doing. And the reason I say that is because it, maybe a month ago, an article came out in Real Share, one of the real estate trade magazines, and the, the caption was. Black developers and access to capital and how it's limited, Mm -hmm. right? And so what you all are doing, you all are pooling investor capital and creating an opportunity to grow from a small to a middle market player to an institutional. I've watched Halterra's growth Mm -hmm. from the smaller buildings that you bought. Now, 100 plus units, looking at 200 plus units, Mm -hmm. and you continue to scale in that fashion as you expose more people Mm -hmm. to capital Mm -hmm. and opportunity and creating wealth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not just kudos to this brother here for what he's doing with Alpha, but for what all you guys are doing. I think it's important because Mm -hmm. the only way really to create wealth and and is through that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, and leading the charge, you know, and structuring your deals smartly mm -hmm, at work and understanding so that people are no longer afraid of the investment factor mm. in commercial real estate, or even residential real estate, yeah. horizontal multi-residential right, yeah. real estate, right, you know, right. owning multiple houses in an area. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. it's important.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look. Since we're all passing out flowers on this on this panel today, let's go ahead and pass you your flowers as well. <laughs> right. You know, Daryl Daryl has been as he as he articulated influential and has watched us grow because. Uh, you were the one who guided us on growing the Halter Group. So, for those who don't know, Daryl, uh, his partner Juan, uh, and his company Taro Capital, really readily from the inception of the idea of the Halter Group, was you know the mentor, the the loan broker that assisted us in getting our first loans. So to date, 115 investors. Uh four hundred and one thousand dollars in dividends that's been paid to our investors over the last two and a half years, twenty million dollars under real estate management. All of that has come from the guidance and the loan direction from Taro Capital and yourself. Well, so you, know. you guys have no clue how many conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, obviously, but our network, you know, <laughs> we're we're fraternal brothers. <laughs> But man, sometimes I can't stand talking to Daryl. I see my phone, the phone ring, I'm like, oh shit. Exactly, shit. Here he comes again. What now? What does he want now? <laughs> what now? Right. And you know, the the ups and downs, you know, trying to get these loans were approved now through agency debt, which yeah. is fat uh Freddie and Fannie. And the process of going through that is, I mean, it's it's like pulling teeth. Right. And yeah. Sometimes yeah. we as a collective felt as if mm-hmm. are they giving us this much trouble because we are black? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. is, are we being asked to provide so much documentation because we do look like who we look like? Mm. So it makes you think that, right? Yeah. And just having the guidance. And to your point, the paperwork has to be right. Yeah. If your tax returns, mm. if your p ls if your credit scores if your liquidity, if it's not right, you're just giving that lender an opportunity to say, just yeah, say no, no, thanks, yes, see you I later, are. bye." Absolutely. who's next? Yep. Which, yet again, is why so many of us are not playing in the commercial real estate mm-hmm. game. Yep. So I have to give you your flowers, and I'm sure Marcy shares that sentiment with me, well, along about with about. Ennis and Anthony, getting us from 44 units to 62 units to 81 units to 100 units, like, that stepping stone.
1: Yep, It's a good feeling. Yep. Well, 100 well, phone calls a, good, a day. It's a good feeling. <laughs> Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I
0: have my deference because you came through the frowning well before me. But I'm like, you.
1: <laughs> Just get it done. Yeah, I think I think one time you didn't hang up fast enough.
3: I do have a question. As we, at the How group, we're always looking ahead, right? And mm-hmm. Trying to think about tomorrow and in the next day. Development. That's something that we, you know, having our eyesights down the line. Yeah. Broad question for the both of you, actually. What should we be thinking about today as we think about getting into the development space?
1: I think if you're going to do that, then do it with an asset that you know. Don't decide you all of a sudden want to develop a shopping center Mm -hmm. and you've been buying (laughs) multifamily. Mm -hmm. There are skill sets that you all gained through the acquisition process. Now, the development is a completely different animal, Mm -hmm. but you understand the asset. Mm-hmm. So stay within the asset that you understand yep. to develop if you're looking at that. Yep. Have a real strong GC, general contractor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Understand the dynamics of you know your, your cost of materials and how that's going to impact mm-hmm. your ultimate loan because the way a lender is going to look at it, yes, you'll get a construction loan, but the lender is giving you a construction loan based on what the exit strategy is. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to be taken out of this loan by what these guys are building and their underwriting doesn't make sense. Yep. So if you're gonna do that, yep. you know, stick with your product type, mm-hmm. pay pure attention to your G C costs, mm-hmm. you know, everything, just how that's that's gonna work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I piggyback on that
4: as well. And then in, in addition to that, your market, be
1: familiar with your yeah, market. 100%. Your
4: your your community people, your politicians, mm, making sure that huge. they don't have any roadblocks ahead for you. Huge. So that's huge. And from an accounting sp- standpoint. If you have a budget, that may not be what the final situation is when the mm-hmm. project is all said and done. So just be prepared for revisions, for going over budget. And just prepare for the worst, even though it may not happen. But keep that in mind.
1: Sure. Yeah, that was a that was a great point on the political because I work with a developer here in the city, and I've known I've known him for a long time, but he has. Really good relationships with politicians. It's gonna make or break. You know, mm-hmm. it's gonna it take you through the permitting process yeah. and the whole nine yards. Wh- whatever market you're doing it in, that was a yeah. really great point. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. they're in, they're ingrained in all in all, all of, of those that. processes. It's gonna yeah, cost so. you. So. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. For what sure. What type of what type of expectations should you set with investors? So if you're going to investors and you have a development, you know that's a different that's a different expectation that you're giving them. Is there a longer timeline? Is you know what type of things should we be looking for?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's structured differently, you know, by group. But most investors most investors want to keep money in a minimum of three years, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what do those returns look like yeah. at three years? What's your internal rate of return? Yeah. You know, all of that. What's your equity multiple that you're paying your investors? That's what they're going to key in on. Now, some investors will be a little more sophisticated, mm-hmm. and then they'll say, "Look, we really only want to invest with you if we're hitting." a 17% IRR, others will not care yep. and say, so, you, know, you give me 12% of my money, I'm good, right? Okay, 8% of my money, I'm good. But as you grow, understand the, the discussions that are gonna be necessary because as you grow in size, your investors are gonna get larger, mm-hmm. right? And so they're gonna know whether or not you're selling them wolf tickets or not, whether or not you can really hit these numbers mm-hmm. or not. So it's just understanding kind of what your investor Pool. Familiar with and what they'll work with now. If you're coming in at eight, nine, ten percent, some investors are happy. Some want twelve. Where else are they going to get twelve? Banks right now are paying four percent on savings mm. accounts. That's great, right? Yeah. Before all this started, they were paying a half a percent if you were lucky, right? Um, Less and than so, that. what's that? <laughs> Less than that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So just to kind of know what your investors, you know, what that strike point is, and there are also, I mean, you know, there are also accounting uh, benefits through the investment process Mm -hmm. that, you know, that you can take advantage of too. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: let's let's jump back to Nelson & Associates. I know you have a wide range of clients from, you know, rookie investors to seasoned investors, mom and pop investors to major players. What services does does your firm provide? Is it just taxes, personal taxes, corporate taxes? Do you do business management services? do you look at the financials for a for a real estate deal with the investor and guide them good bad indifferent on on their taxation within the state within the city etc what services does your company provide
4: absolutely so this is a great question because not all cpas are equal not all accountants Mm -hmm. are equal not all tax professionals are equal Mm -hmm. um obviously you have a specific experience you can have a specific title but Just because I'm a CPA doesn't necessarily mean I have the experience working with real estate investors in in realty, whereas I may have another colleague that specializes in e-commerce. So Mm -hmm. they may not even know what a 1031 exchange is. They may not even know what the rules of a real estate professional status is. So in terms of what we do for our clients, we focus on three areas, accounting, tax, and advisory. The accounting is gonna take care of the basic bookkeeping all the way up to the higher level type of accounting. And an example of that is if I have a client that purchased a 100 unit property, they purchased the property, but now how are they gonna report the numbers? How are they going to now identify what the rate of return is mm-hmm. to split between mm-hmm. all of the investors that actually need county done? So what does that look like? They need to do their monthly bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. They need to manage the tenants, determine what the occupancy rates are, mm-hmm. determine what a budget is, determine who's paying and not paying, mm-hmm. Determine what are the expenses of the property. Are we sharing the expenses amongst the entire property or is it individuals responsible for their expenses? Are we doing CAM? So these are all the things that are up for consideration. And obviously you can have a team do that internally. Or you can outsource it so where we come in is we actually are the outsourced folks okay. folks comes to us they already have the building they already have maybe the property manager they may have an accountant on the staff but they need additional hands and additional support to really oversee and manage the process so that's, that's kind of where we can come in okay um, that looks different from a single family investor versus absolutely a multi, right. big difference. multi-family yeah. um, for more of the single family individual what that looks like is hey I don't necessarily need the accounting done i do my own quickbooks i I do my own spreadsheets i have the numbers i'm confident in the numbers i just need you to now help me with providing guidance and structure i need some due diligence assistance with determining if i should actually buy this partner out of this contract because they're an lp and i'm looking to eventually close out at some point Mm -hmm. or we're looking to actually go out and expand and purchase more property like what does that look like right. okay so that's a different conversation so we look at the implications um what happens if xyz happens mm-hmm. and um, let's look at the situation or the scenario where you may be a individual owner or you may have partners mm-hmm. are you the gp or are you the lp mm-hmm. that looks different from a tax perspective okay. if you're an lp chances are you're passive mm-hmm. so your tax benefits are going to be a little different than the gp mm-hmm. So general partner, GP,
0: LP, limited partner.
4: Yep. And one of the key things that a lot of the investors that come to us for, they're not necessarily coming to us to file their tax returns. Yes, we do that. Mm -hmm. We do that for the personal and the business, but it's more so the relationship. Hey, I actually am not looking for someone that's going to be a commodity, um, provide a commodity type service. You can go down the street or I can go down the street for that. I'm looking for someone that's actually got the experience, Mm -hmm. worked in this space and um, actually work with other individuals because that obviously provides efficiencies, exposure. And if you're actually working with an individual or a company in this particular space, I'm pretty sure I can benefit from that experience. Oh. So that's that's kind of what we we work at, work with who we work with and what we do. And in addition to really going back to the original question, not all CPAs are equal. Mm-hmm. The whole way that I actually ended up in this space is because when I first started off my career, I started with KPMG Public Accounting. Okay. I was gonna be a partner at one day, but after doing two, three busy seasons, I said, this is not the life that I want. So <laughs> I eventually left the firm and the very first company that I went to after was CB Richard Ellis. And they're the mm-hmm. world's largest commercial real mm-hmm. estate company. So e. working with those individuals or that company really exposed me to like the power of real estate. And I obviously wasn't doing the deal shaking and shaking and moving with Mm -hmm. the deal structures and whatnot. But I was looking on the other side in terms of the accounting. Mm -hmm. I was managing the portfolios, doing the technical accounting research. And then eventually I said, you know what? This is an interesting industry. So when I eventually started my firm, I knew that I couldn't be a generalist. I had to be a specialist. And Mm -hmm. my specialty came from my passion and my experience. So I commingled all that stuff together and that's where we are today you got nelson's
3: and
0: associates flowers
3: kudos and and what's the passion i think i missed that
4: oh the passion so the passion is the fact that i can actually educate my clients and really teach them how to make real estate work for them Mm. and teach them how to really keep their money in their pocket most Mm. people and individuals they they know that it's cool and fun Mm -hmm. and awesome to own a business to own real estate but how do you do it Mm -hmm. once you figure out how to do it now do you actually know how to use what you have Mm -hmm. and real estate is it's a gold mine Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned there's differences between the GPs and the LPs Mm -hmm. but the fact that you own real estate period even if you're not an investor but you just have it as a primary residence Mm -hmm. you can take your mortgage interest expense if you have a note on it write it off to decrease your taxable income. You can write off your property taxes. Mm -hmm. That's the bare minimum that you can do as an individual. But if you actually are an investor, you now are playing a whole nother game. Mm -hmm. Not only are you taking your mortgage interest, your property taxes, but you're actually taking depreciation expense. Mm -hmm. And if you have depreciation expense and you go out and let's say you purchase or your your home was purchased or your investment was purchased for a million Mm dollars, we cannot necessarily just take that million dollars and depreciate it over a 27 and a half year or a 39 year period. We can do it over a five year, seven year, 15 year period. Mm-hmm. And now this is the conversations that I have with the clients they in terms of, mm-hmm. does it make sense for us to take advantage and do it now or do we do it later? Right. Are you looking to purchase more in the future? Because if you are now, we can keep playing this game and do it at a bigger level. Mm-hmm. And the more money you save, the more money you can keep in your pocket mm-hmm. to have a bigger down payment for your next investment or to go out and do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. So that's it. the passion. I love it. That's advisory yep. side of it. House. Yep. Okay, yep. you helping others win, man. Yep. That's what I hear. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I love it. I love it. That's what we gotta right. give y'all
3: a pause. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Y'all yes. are amazing,
0: Damon. Not to leave you out, brother. What's your story? I mean,
2: what's my story? What's
0: your story in real estate? I mean, you know, I know you're at at a, at a big company. Uh, you've been quiet about that, which is fine. But you're at a big company, and you went into real okay. estate, and you went into owning fourplexes. How'd I gradu- you land here?
2: And when I graduated from college, I started off in tech tech sales in okay. corporate america and those for, i came at a very volatile time in the economy and those first two jobs i got laid off okay and so then i was a little bit like okay there's something about corporate america that i shouldn't quite depend on mm-hmm. and so i started reading certain books that uh, led me to real estate one of them being rich dad poor dad by robert kiyosaki mm-hmm. and the cash flow quadrant mm-hmm. um things of that nature um, And so that put a light, put a fire under me as it relates to real estate. I bought my first uh, real estate, my first piece of real estate in Ladera Heights. And it was during a down, downward time in the economy, the market was down. So I got me a foreclosure condo and I sold that condo in about nine months. And I made 60 grand on this condo. And what I did is I took a portion of the money and I bought a four unit building in Westchester. And then I bought a house that was zoned R3 in Fairview Heights area, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of where that is. Mm -hmm. And so I I was living in that house and I was doing plans to develop that house. So at that point, I saw myself as this quote unquote, real estate investor (laughs) that that's planned at a small place. But I was starting to see the benefit of depreciation. Right. I had a four unit building that I was able to depreciate and offset my adjustable your gross taxable, income. Your taxable income? My taxable yep. income. See, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 getting yep. there. Yep. And so well, I read how, 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 Right. Helping <laughs> others win. So I go. started. Help win, Absolutely. <laughs> As <laughs> I, I was may a... add,
4: after he finished this point, I want to touch on uh,
2: the topic of passive
4: yeah, versus active. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Awesome. So, and I'll try to speed it up. So long story short, I, I ended up doing some flip deals. I ended up doing some land, buying some, doing some land banking out in the Palm desert area I started my four-unit building matured to the point where I could do a 1031 exchange. I took that money from that, and I bought a 26-unit building, and my cash flow mm. went astronomically up in a mm-hmm. positive way. And so that's when the light bulb went off that, okay, I should have been playing this game a lot sooner. If I could have you know, gotten more doors early on, I would be much further along financially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what kind of connected me. To Dennis, actually, I saw a uh, Instagram post, and you guys was closing a deal, and I'm like, "That's my frat brother. Let me let me hit him up right now." <laughs> Next exactly. thing, you know, the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, 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 they call the dinosaur what? guys Instagram, <laughs> social media. Me. <laughs> right, the dinosaur got one. Literally, <laughs> literally, close the deal um it was a commercial apartment the building. Linux
0: the, our first our first deal yeah one units boom
2: I hit you up I had I had some funds mm-hmm. I was ready to invest um and so then I saw the process of what it you know what was required to invest and then I saw how it was scalable how uh, a entry-level investor could come in or how a more savvy investor could actually come in and actually benefit but still be able to focus on the things that they do best. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a doctor, let's just yep. say, or if you're in an NFL or NBA or whatever, or you're just like me who was in corporate America, but had been investing for years, mm-hmm. it benefited everyone. Right. So um, that's kind of how I got, that's my story, how Good. I got connected Good. with you. Um, and it's been a, been a really great ride. Mm-hmm.
0: Well guys, we are almost done with this podcast, with this episode. So any last, any last parting notes or? Thoughts and comments?
2: I'll make it real quick. I'll say
4: uh, real estate is is a huge, huge benefit mm-hmm. for those that are high income earners looking to reduce their taxes. It is a huge benefit for those that are looking to acquire real estate by going it alone or going it as a part of a team, bigger team. Mm-hmm. And because real estate offers you to go alone or with a team, you're in a situation where you don't necessarily have to take all the risk. You don't have to take on all of the management responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And that's where your you guys' as firm actually come in and help and, mm-hmm. and can benefit and make what people want really so desire to have so bad, be a homeowner, be an investment yeah. um, owner of mm-hmm. real estate. Like it is so easier to achieve that mm-hmm. when you're working together with a team as mm-hmm. opposed to individually. And 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 I think mm-hmm. ultimately when you start to get into that space, now you're able to play the game, play the game of, hey, how do I actually repeat this cycle and how do I actually mm-hmm. now use the rules that are established and do it the correct way help you versus mm-hmm. <laughs> try to do it the wrong way? Yep. And, and that's where individuals like myself, we come in and really provide that guidance. Um, um, so I think ultimately, whether you're a passive investor or active investor, it's huge, huge opportunities. And there's a slight differences between the two in terms of what you're able to do. If you're a passive, that means you're doing it on the side passively. You're not actively managing, but you're in a position where you can still take advantage and benefit from the losses just as long as you have gains in other passive activity. But if you are in a situation where you're – non-passive that is the main thing you do you're in a situation where you can now take any of those losses that you've identified from that investment opportunity or those properties and you can offset it against your other sources of non-passive ie w-2 wisdom isn't that called wisdom. real estate professional so that's, <laughs> that is called real estate professional status and wisdom. unfortunately not everyone is able to benefit from a real estate professional status yeah. but there's a lot of people that have spouses they have wise husbands that. May allow them to qualify for those benefits without that title by way of different things, such as maybe your short term rentals and other opportunities. So mm-hmm. information, knowledge is key. And yep. I'm, that I'm happy that I was able to actually share this uh, platform with you guys because it, it is a huge, huge opportunity out there that most people don't think is attainable because they think that they have to do it on their own. That but part. you don't.
0: Well everyone, that is Jamel Nelson of Nelson and Associates. Please tap in with him for all of your taxation needs and advisory needs as well. Daryl, any any pardon um
1: points? As Jamel hit on a lot and I think a lot of great points have been raised here, but what I would say as as you know people looking to invest in commercial real estate or even multi-residential, learn the basics, the basic information that you need so that you know just enough so that you don't Hurt yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. Learn how to look at a property, and that's that's what you know the group Haltera does very very well. Mm-hmm. Learn how to underwrite a property. Um, engage with. Don't just take what a lender says to you as face value. There are a lot of lenders out there. We work with about four thousand lenders. If one lender says one thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's gospel. It just means that they looked at the deal differently than another lender. Mm-hmm. Get the competition between lenders, which is what we do. To help get you the best rate and terms on your loans, pool your capital, like you all have been saying all day, because you learn through that process. Right. You learn through that process. You grow through that process. You build through that process. So you know, start off small. Start off small and just grow. That's okay. Well, tap into
0: Daryl. This Daryl Deese of Taro Capital. We thank you for coming, Brother yeah, Dees. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for coming, Brother Nelson.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank
0: you for coming, Brother Hawkins. That's our episode with the National Panhellenic Council, Kappa Alpha Psi, Alpha Phi Alpha. (laughs) We thank you.